of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Uh, my guest today is Valerie Hill, and our show is called Coming to a Theater Near You, Sube Dance or Drum, Dance, and Dream. How exciting that sounds. Uh, we'll hear from Valerie in just a few minutes. I want to tell you um, about an opportunity taking place in Kitchener on October the 20th. Uh, in 2010, my daughter Tammy was performing on a Japanese cruise line. Uh, Tammy was the lead singer, and there she met uh, Rachel Clark. And Rachel was the lead dancer for the group. So the ship set sail in Japan, then traveled to Singapore, China, Maldives, past Somalia, through the Red Sea, it made stops in Jordan, Egypt, Greece, Croatia, Venice, Spain, Portugal, down the coast of Africa before coming to Argentina and Brazil, and then up through the Caribbean before returning home. So as you can imagine, um, Tammy and Rachel became close friends uh, being on this great adventure. And since 2009, Rachel's been volunteering in Kenya. Uh, this January, my daughter Tammy will be accompanying Rachel to Kenya, uh, where they will help to meet the needs of the people there. So as a fundraiser to support uh, the work, um, the people in Kenya, Tammy and Rachel, and several other talented folks will be performing a musical theater cabaret-style show on October the 20th at 7.30 at the Jazz Room, 59 King Street North, Uptown Waterloo. Uh, cabaret style means that you can have your dinner and then sit at a table with a drink to enjoy the show. Uh, there will also be a silent auction. Um, this event is called Songs for Kenya, and you can get tickets at the door or by pre-ordering from info at tammywedham.com. So that's info at T-A-M-M-Y, Wetham, W-H-E-T-H-A-M dot com. Or if you need more information, please feel free to email me at lynn at stepright dot C-A. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Uh, I also did an interview with Rachel on Step Right with Lynn last November. It was called Create and Contribute to Sustainable Solutions. So you can look that up on the A to Zen uh, .fm website to learn more about Rachel and her passion for the people of Kenya. You can go to Coast Hosts, Lynn Wedham, Archives, and scroll down to find the show called Create and Contribute to Sustainable Solutions. Our guest today had a life-changing experience uh, just a few years ago. Valerie Hill has been a journalist at the Waterloo Region Record for the past 15 years, specializing in arts and culture, with an emphasis on classical music and theater. She's long had a passion for the arts and more recently found a new passion. In 2012, Valerie traveled to Uganda, where she volunteered in schools helping the kids with reading and creative writing. The poverty and the desire of the kids to learn impacted Valerie deeply, but the last day of her trip 
would change everything. Valerie spent one afternoon at the Cambridge Secondary School about 30 minutes from the capital city of Kampala. The school, founded and run by a retired Ugandan nurse, was just starting to build its performing arts program, and when the kids performed traditional dance and music, Valerie was enthralled. In May 2013, Valerie and her friends formed Dream for Uganda, a registered nonprofit, and after much fundraising, the organization brought eight students and two teachers to the Waterloo region for a two-week performance tour. On October 13th, Valerie and five Dream for Uganda volunteers spent one month volunteering at the school, helping develop the performing arts program. Their work, documented by two filmmakers, will be featured at the 2015 Grand River Film Festival in Cambridge, Ontario on November the 2nd at the Dunfield Theatre. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you very much. It's an exciting time. It's, yeah, and, and a tiny bit stressful, but <laughs> it will all be worth it in the end. Um, bringing a group of students from Uganda is, is uh, it's just beyond anything we ever expected, even though we did this before, but this is a much larger group. Um, and just getting their birth certificates was, you know, the first step, and then their passports, and then their visas. And, yeah, so we've had a lot to deal with over the last several months to, uh, to bring and, this and to fruition. And all of that is before you really get started. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Once they get here, that's the easy part. Yeah, uh, that's the that's just the background of it. So, yeah, uh, Valerie, how many times have you been to Uganda? Uh, I've been there twice. The first time was uh, when I was there in 2012 doing the. I was actually with another organization called Give International, which is uh, also a registered nonprofit in Waterloo Region. Um, and then that's when I, as you said in your introduction, that's when I, I saw these kids. Um, when we brought them to Waterloo Region in 2013, uh, we were not yet a registered nonprofit. That came fairly recently because once we brought these kids here, uh, everything just kind of exploded. People here just went absolutely crazy for these kids and for the music, and uh, we just kind of got swept along. We're like a little, you know, twig that falls into a mighty river. You really have no choice. You've got to go along. Uh, but right. it's, it's been a wild ride, but uh, amazing. Yeah, there's been a lot that's happened in just a few years, hasn't there? Oh, gosh, yeah, unbelievably, so, yeah. yeah. And it's largely because of the support we've had from so many people. As soon as, for example, you know, the gym I go to, uh, a young woman there named Ray Parr, when she found out about this, she just sprang into action, and she's been getting donations of, of money, and uh, she's volunteering to take a couple of kids in as, as a host mom. And uh, she's gotten so many people involved in this. Yeah, you just mentioned about this project, and people get all excited. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So tell us ab- about about the school. Um, you mentioned um, a retired Ugandan nurse. Um, tell us about her, um, how she started, began the school, who the students are. Tell us a bit about the background of what's going on in Uganda there. Sure. Well, in Uganda, as in many developing nations, the government does not have a lot of money. Um, And what little they have, they don't tend to pour it into education. Uh, So there are a few government-sponsored schools, but they tend to be extremely low quality. Uh, We did visit one while we were there last October. There were over 700 students and 11 teachers. No books. No, they, they had nothing. 
So what happens is a lot of Ugandans who really want to help the children, people like this uh, Kevin Kalula and her husband, who's now passed away, uh, Charlie Kalula, they they see such an incredible need and they take action. Most of the better quality schools in Uganda and other parts of Africa are run by individuals. Okay. Uh, so when she was when when Kevin, which is an unusual name I know for a woman, but uh, when Kevin was retiring from nursing, she had this large piece of property outside of Kampala, and she decided she wanted to do something to help the kids. Uh, she was originally thinking of taking a few of these kids in and just giving them some support, some uh, mental health care, um, but then she saw that they need a lot more than that. And uh, so they actually physically, her and her family and everybody that would get involved, physically built the school. And uh, so it's been operating now for about five or six years. I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was 2010 it was actually built. Uh, and functioning. Uh, there's about 250 kids there now. The performing arts program was really not her first intent that just kind of developed because uh, one of the teachers there at the time, whose name was also Kevin, uh, was quite an amazing performer and knew a lot about traditional music. And he started this Subi fusion troupe. Uh, and they were the ones that performed for me when I when I was there the first time, and I that just as you said, I was totally mesmerized by by their energy and their music. And that's what started it all. So this is this is my focus as an arts reporter, um, as somebody who loves the arts. I really want to help them mm-hmm. focus on that. And it's also a way for them to bring money into the school to support the whole school. Um, I mean, it is a regular high school with regular curriculum, um, but they they need a lot of money to pay for teachers and just the infrastructure because the the place is getting a little crumbly at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, who are the who are the students? Where do they come from? They come from all over. Um, there are a number of students. Uh, when I was there, there was a number of students that had been former uh, child soldiers from northern Uganda um, during the war. Um, so, you know, they're pretty traumatized. They're extremely traumatized. Uh, but those kids did really well. Uh, a lot of them have gone on to trade schools now. Uh, there's another group of those coming in. Uh, a lot of the girls had been uh, just pretty much sent off by their families into servitude because there are no other options. So they would be working in, in large households, you know, doing during doing servant kind of things, you know, cleaning and such. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of or- AIDS orphans, um, kids that were just on the streets. They have no idea where their parents are. Uh, yeah, none of them have nice mom and dads, you know, that come from nice uh, families where there's a, a steady income. None of them have ever experienced that before, so... But as the school is becoming better known, more kids are coming in. What we're hoping is that families with uh, some money will send their kids, and then the money that they can pay will offset and give us an opportunity to provide bursaries for these other kids who don't even know where their parents are or their parents have no money to uh, pay their tuition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it would be really important then in Uganda that the school had a reputation of of providing a very good education then exactly it's going to yeah attract um it, you're going to attract other people so when the um like students come to the school how do they get involved in the performing arts part do they audition do you do you find which kids yes. have talent yeah yeah, well, it's just like, you know, in, in any high school, you're going to have the sports kids and you're going to have the music kids and then you're going to have yeah. the academics, you know. It's no different there. Um, surprisingly, though, a lot more kids started showing interest in the music program, in the performing arts program, once they knew there was a group being brought to Canada. 
So, uh, yeah, and a lot of them, I mean, in Uganda and most of East Africa that I'm familiar with, the kids are learn to dance and to sing by the time before they can practically start walking. It's just so instinctive for them. So by the time they get to be teenagers, they're already miles ahead of you know any kid here that had not had any any dance training. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just very natural. But um, yeah, they're amazingly <clears throat> amazingly talented. The the energy is just I mean you know you see these kids dancing with uh, these little clay pots on their head. And they don't, and it never falls off. Like, how the heck do you do that? Uh, yeah, they're very, very skilled. So that that skill develops in, um, you know, in these in this um, in poverty. Yes, um, absolutely. Yes. Well, Mike's in, most of the kids <clears throat> were born and raised in mud huts, and uh, I visited many of the communities while while I was there the last time, the last two times. Um, yeah, and when, when you imagine an, an African mud hut, that's exactly the way they live. Dirt floors, no windows, everybody sleeps in one little hut together that <clears throat> has like a, um, a straw or b- b- banana leaf roof. Um, creatures yeah. climb in and out. So, yeah, that's the way they're, that's the way they have to live. When, so for them to be given, <clears throat> excuse me, for them to be given the opportunity to go to school is, is just tremendous. Yeah, that's wonderful. When you when you say no windows, you you like is there a hole? There's a hole. Light maybe with or? Yeah, even yeah, they put a hole in the in the wall, uh but they tend to be just covered with a piece of of cloth, it tend to be okay. very tattered piece of cloth. And all kinds of creatures can crawl in, of course. So the big big fear is always, you know, snakes. There's a lot of snakes in Uganda. Uh, what other creatures? Well, um, in a lot of the villages that I visited, uh, most of the wildlife uh, has been uh, eaten or driven out, um, with the exception of wild dogs. Uh, the wild dogs do come into the village at night, um, so you know there is always that fear. But there—I mean, I was bitten by a snake when I was there, and uh, I ended up with a, a pretty nasty reaction. So these things just come out of nowhere. You have no idea. They're a lot of, they've poisoned the spiders. You know everything you can think of mm-hmm. in a, a place like a you know uh, a jungle kind of uh, atmosphere. Yeah, they have all those dangers. And obviously, you were able to find treatment for your snake bite. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, now I have a great big uh, black mark on my ankle. It's a, a warning to me to never walk around Uganda in flip flops. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> You, I bet you've bought a nice pair of leather boots, have you? <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed I have, yes. Talk about, you know, closing the barn door after the horse has been stolen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't happen again. No, definitely um, not. It's time for us to go for a break, and when we come back, we want to hear about this uh, documentary and your trip, okay. um, the trip where uh, the group of you went. So we'll be right okay. back after this short message. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. 
To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Step Right with Lynn. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. You're listening to A to Zen.fm. Today the subject is drum, dance, and dream. And my guest is Valerie Hill, representing A Dream for Uganda. So, Valerie, this last um, trip that you, that mm-hmm. you took, um, last time you were in Uganda, you took a group of people, you did some work, and there was also a documentary made about the work that you were doing. So tell us how that all came to happen and and um, and how it affected everyone. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, as, as uh, my friend uh, Edwardarski, who is part of uh, Dream for Uganda board, she's one of the board members. Uh, she came up with the idea of us shooting a little a little film to put on our website. And um, and from through her that we thought this was a good idea, but through her, I think it was you that told us about yeah. uh, the Grand River Film Festival and, and suggested right. that we talk to them. And uh, once they found out we were doing this, um, they got very excited and said, "Well, if you can shoot a whole documentary film, we can uh, we can screen it at the Grand River Film Festival, which is this November." And so we were really thrilled by this, and then we thought, and then we looked at each other and said, "Do you know any filmmakers? Nope. Do you know any filmmakers? Nope." <laughs> but fortunately, through my contacts at the record, I was able to uh, track down um, a filmmaker, and and I remember distinctly meeting with uh, Paul Franciscetti at a little cafe, and Ev got there a little bit ahead of me, and they were chatting away like old friends. And I got in, and I thought, mm. "Oh, this is rather odd." And it turns out that Paul's sister and Ev were roommates in Toronto when they were oh in their my. 20s. They both worked. And neither of them are from KW, so it's not no. like there's any connection. Ev was from Toronto, and Paul yeah. Francis Getty and his sister were from Hamilton. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, what are the odds? So, anyway, we sat there with Paul, and we told him about the project. And, frankly, at that point, we weren't really sure exactly what Dream for Uganda was going to be doing. Um, so we were a little vague but excited, and, and Paul was just kind of looking at us wondering and is probably thinking, he's crazy women, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he spoke to Paul Campbell, who he's done many documentary films with um, overseas, a lot in Africa and South, Af- and South America, and uh, called back and said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. So, you know, to have a professional documentary film crew with you is just, uh, we just couldn't believe our, our good fortune. So we were in Uganda for a month. They were there for two weeks, and they were filming everything to do with the kids. They were interviewing the kids. They were documenting when documenting when they were dancing, when they were rehearsing, uh, the school. Uh, we did a little backcountry trip to another school that we support, an elementary school. Um, yeah, so if, they, they, if you can imagine two weeks of filming, how much, how many hours and hours and hours of film they had. Um, then they came back, and they have spent the last uh, several months uh, doing all the post-production stuff. And the film is called Subi Dance Drum Dream, and it will be screened at the gala opening of the Grand River Film Festival on Monday, November the 2nd at the Dunfield Theatre in Cambridge. So the film will be shown, and then Subi's going to do uh, a little performance as well. So you don't only get to see the film, you get to see the performers. 
Yeah, and that's um that's going to be incredible. Um Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um so what kind of work did your group do while you were there? Well, uh we had taken three young guys with us and two were the uh were both musicians and the other one was a newly minted documentary filmmaker. So uh so he helped with the other filmmakers. He actually did a lot of the preliminary stuff. He took some film footage of us when we were packing up in Cambridge, when we were loading up our vehicles, going to the airport. So he did all that, um, and then he was doing some work there as well. Uh, so a lot of his film footage is, is part of the film. That's His name is Mitch Pollard. Um, the other two guys, uh, Brian Beerbaum and Zach Wodarski, they were working with the kids. Uh, we had taken a number of musical instruments with us, keyboards, guitars. Uh, so those two guys were working on teaching the kids because they don't know how to read music. Um, mm-hmm. So they were teaching them how to play the instruments and teaching them a little bit about music. Um, so while we were there, we managed to put in a library, a, a functioning library, and that was all Ev. I just imagine she, cause she walked into this room where there was 3,500 books in boxes. And wow. within a month, she already had a whole library system going. She recruited the, the kids from the school to start putting the, the, uh, you know, the jackets on. Um, she bought she brought a laptop. She bought uh, the software necessary. Um, so by the time she left, uh, they were able to do all the rest of it themselves. So they got it all cataloged, and they actually had a functioning library for the first time ever. There's no libraries anywhere. There's no libraries in the village. Uh, they, you'd have to go to the city, and there's really no such thing as a public library system there. And certainly yeah, schools don't have libraries. I was going to ask you if, if uh, libraries are something that, that the people of Uganda are familiar with. No, no, there, there's, their education system, uh, because, you know, there's no money, so there's no money for books. Uh, even the teachers, they will buy one textbook, and they teach all the kids from that one textbook. So the kids have to write everything down. Um, so for them to suddenly have li- a library with books in it, uh, it was really quite amusing because when Ev was having the kids sort through all these books and start getting them organized, the kids were picking these books up, and then they'd stand there, and they'd start reading them. Never mind reading them. You can read them later. Get working here. Um, so they they just absolutely love these books. They, you know, Most of them have never really read a novel. Uh, they, they're really excited by this. Well, that's one of, that's one of my goals is to help develop a, a more of a reading culture and a writing culture. Right. Uh, that's something they don't really do. It's very because they were a British colony, so their education system is very British, but British from 50 years ago. So it's all very rote learning, you know, a lot, a lot of emphasis on mathematics and, you know, the heavy academic subjects, yeah. and not so much the, uh, like, English and, and things like that. So that's what we're trying to help, because English is their, their official language in Uganda. Right. Um, okay. But but they're, they tend to speak uh, their own dialect uh, between them, so... We're trying to oh, okay. uh, yeah, help um, them a little bit and improve their English. Yeah, because communication is going to be, you know, and when I say communication, <clears throat> I would include, you know, dance and um, dance and music in in communication because we would think that way more here. Um, yes. That's all yeah. communication, but communication is going to be very important to their future, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I mean, eventually we would like to be able to get them uh, scholarships to universities here in Canada or or elsewhere, uh, but their English has to improve in order for that to happen. 
Um, yeah. yeah, and and they they want to write. They didn't even realize they wanted to write because the first day I was working with them and I got them, I just asked them to start writing their stories, their own personal stories, and uh, to you know to uh, explain to them about being descriptive and uh, and I remember they were sort of sitting there staring at me, and then they looked at their <laughs> paper and they started to write. An hour and a half later, I had to say, "Okay, enough, enough, enough." <laughs> once they got once they got rolling, they just couldn't stop. It was wild. So I ended up with this huge stack of amazing stories um, that we we brought home, and we're not sure what we're going to do with them yet. But but we have all these all the kids' stories, so and, so and it's in them. They just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And what would they write about, Valerie? Well, I had asked them to imagine. I wanted to give them a starting place. So I said, imagine you're five years old. You you know wherever it is you're living. You wake up. You open your eyes. I want you to describe to me what do you see? What does it smell like? Who's in the room? Are you in a mud hut? Are you in a brick house? What does it look like outside? So I gave them all these you know these places to start. And they just took it and ran with it. And as I mentioned about the snakes, a lot of the kids had snake stories about mm. huge, you know, uh, pythons in, you know, in the garden, or you know, or some venomous snake had climbed into their, uh, crawled into their uh, their hut. Um, yeah, a lot to do with the animals, uh, about their families, about you know, a little hut that might have ten kids in it, that sort of thing. Mm. Certainly nothing wow. that any Canadian could could identify with. No. So the snakes are a real fear for them. Oh, absolutely, and rightly so. They're some of the most deadly snakes in the world there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, um, it would be very interesting if you could, um, you know, compile some of, those, uh, some of those stories together. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. We just haven't figured out exactly how. Yeah. There's, there's lots of work to do, lots, and the more, the more work we do, the more ideas we get. Yeah, so. and, and and the more excited you get. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, as you, when you're talking about, you know, scholarships in Canada for these kids, um, and we're talking about dreams, like, mm-hmm. Valerie, that's a big dream. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, for them to have any kind of opportunity at all. And when when after they were here the first time, that smaller group, and um, you know, and then they would say, I would say, one girl in particular, I remember Rita, and I said, well, what do you want to be when you finish school? And she said, I'd like to be a doctor, but that's never going to happen. And I remember saying to her, if you know, a couple of years ago, somebody had said to you, you were going to go to Canada, what would you have said? <laughs> and yet, mm-hmm. where was she? Here she was in Canada. So I think you know having these opportunities uh, just just shows them that absolutely is every anything is possible, you know, well, as long as they have faith. It, it certainly expands their possibilities. Having an education, doesn't it? Uh, oh yes, for certain. And they love education. They're so desperate to go to school. I mean, these kids. Though when we were in the, this little, we went up to a place called Green Hill, which is about eight hours from Kampala, and it is in the middle of the bush. And some of the kids at the school there will walk uh, up to two hours to get to school. And that's just on an empty stomach. Uh, when they get to yeah. school, the cook there has uh, usually has a big cauldron full of kind of a gruel uh, to give them. But, uh, yeah, they, they will do anything to go to school. Uh, the kids at our school at Cambridge, uh, when it's exam time, they're often up at 4 a.m. studying because they are so determined to get good marks. I said, wow. boy, I'd like to see a Canadian kid do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One <laughs> uh, in a million, maybe. Valerie, yeah. what made you think that all this was possible? I I didn't. I honestly didn't. I had I had no idea that anything. It was none of this was possible. When I went to Uganda the first time, I thought 
that was it. You know, I was going to go and do a bit of volunteer work. I was very disturbed by what I saw. I love kids, mm-hmm. so I found it it very it affected me very deeply. Uh, but then when I visited the Cambridge School, I said, okay, back up. When you see these kind of horrible things, you know, all the places I visited when I was there the first time, all the unbelievable poverty, uh, <clears throat> the lack of government support, you think, there's no way I can do anything about this. Then when I went to the Cambridge School and I saw those kids, the light bulb went on. It not only went on, but it cracked me over the head. You can do something. You can take this group of kids. You can bring them to Canada. You can rally your friends because you know they'll help you. And so having something that you can actually do, that made all the difference in the world. And once we started that, once we started the process, then everything just fell into place. Okay. So... Do the students understand that the film is telling their story? What what do the kids really think about this filming idea? Some of them were a little bit shy. Uh, most of them were, you know, pretty keen on this. <clears throat> of course, they can't they can't really possibly imagine what they're going to look like, you know, on the big no. screen. Most of them have yeah. never even seen a movie before. They don't know what documentaries are. Uh, no. But they were pretty cooperative. They find it that because it was a, a British colony, they still have this attitude of white people, they call us Mzungus, of somehow being superior, that's very difficult for uh, North Americans to deal with when you're there, because you don't don't want them to feel that way, but it's pretty much ingrained. Uh, But for them to have the Canadians come there and to look at these kids with such deep admiration and love, it it really confuses them. (laughs) Wait a minute, white people aren't supposed to act like this. Um, So it it really boosts their their self-esteem to know okay. that we look at them with such respect. Okay, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's take this opportunity to to take a break, and um, when we come back, we'll talk more. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Today. This is Step Right with Lynn on A to Zen.fm. I'm Lynn Wedham. I'm your host. We've been talking with our guest, Valerie Hill, uh, about her dream for Uganda uh, and the work that's being carried on there um, at a school called the Cambridge School, um, which is developing um, a theater arts um, component to it. Valerie, um, 
what do you feel is, is the message that these students have to tell the world? Uh, well, you know, when you when you get these kids here, as we did the last time, and as we learned a lot about them when we were there in October, they're just kids. They're, they're teenagers, not a whole lot different than teenagers here. That, you know, they're, I think when people look at Africa and they see the poverty and, uh, you know, they think, well, they're not like us. Well, you know what? They are like us. They're exactly like us. Absolutely. They're Absolutely. no different whatsoever. Uh, yeah. These kids are, you know, they're fun. They're funny. We just have such a riot with them. They're deeply affectionate. You can't go anywhere without getting all kinds of hugs. You know, you go to school in the morning and you're surrounded by mm-hmm. kids and they're so happy to see you. Yeah, Canadian <laughs> kids don't greet us Where's like that. that? <laughs> <laughs> Heck, you already get that from your own kids. That's right. uh, but yeah, I think I think their their message is just that you know they're just like everybody else. Um, they want to be they want to be loved and accepted like everybody else. Uh, there's there's no difference whatsoever. But also that there are there are there's so many things that people here can do. Um, well, I mean I think you know a little braggy here, but I think I'm a prime example. I just you know, happened to learn about this Give International and decided I wanted to go to Uganda to do some volunteer work. And and I was the only one. I didn't have anybody else with me. I went on my own. Um, I had handlers at that end who took care of me, but the rest of the time I was just on my own. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of. When I, I'm 61 now, Ev is the same age, Catherine's a little bit older than us, we're all in our 60s, we're, we're trucking off to, to Uganda, you know, we're going into the back country. There's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. I think that's my message to everybody that at any point in your life you can you can start this remarkable journey and it's so reinvigorating. I mean, I'm a pretty excitable person anyway because um, I happen to love the arts and love my job. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if, you, if you're feeling if you're in a little bit of a rut, do something about it. Don't whine about it. Mhm. Mhm. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite a story as to what has happened in just a few years. Um, mm-hmm. What are your hopes for the school and the students? What, uh, what does the, the dream hope... look like? What does the yeah. dream look like now? Well, the the dream, the eventual dream, is to have this school completely self-sustaining, so that there will be a number of students from wealthier families who can, you know, give it a little bit more money, pay full tuition to support other students uh, who's either don't have parents or, you know, they don't have any money, um, that we can expand the the school a little. Uh, Catherine was just there. She just got back a week ago, and and she's already done a lot of work. She's a bit of a painting fanatic, and she's painted everything, including the flagpole, if you can believe it. Um, Mm -hmm. She's had, you know, furniture reupholstered, had desks made, um, just just improving the look of the school, so it makes the kids uh, feel better and more. They feel more pride in their school when when they see it looking like that. Uh, we want to, you know, expand the library. Want to have more music, musical, uh, expanded musical program. We're going to be hiring an actual music teacher who knows how to read music. Um, that he'll be teaching. He or she will be teaching the kids. Um, having the ability to have full time teachers on staff. Right now, most of them are part time. Um, there's just so much we can do. We want to have the whole school uh, run by solar power, uh, improve the latrines, wow. have maybe some running water. You know, it's just absolutely endless what can be done. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that like, we're going to go back. A few of us are going back in February, and we're really hoping that we can get some volunteers to come with us who can contribute in some way. We could really use teachers. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, 
and you know when when you talk about painting and the difference that some paint is making, mm-hmm. I have to think um you know a donation of a couple of hundred dollars if someone wants to make an impact mm-hmm. um you know two hundred dollars would make an impact there oh absolutely. A thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. That's a huge amount of work. Yeah, would would make a would make a a huge impact to yeah, absolutely um, to the programs and and to the facilities there. Yeah, um, we 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 send about five hundred dollars a month to the school, and that pays for the librarian, the English teacher, two music assistants, and um, and then it gives them a little extra extra money as well. Um, that's for a whole month. So yeah, wow. it doesn't. Yeah, you know, teachers teachers only make between eighty and a hundred dollars Canadian a month, and they're there six days a week. So was that four support staff for five hundred dollars a month? Yeah, that's all of them. Yep, four support staff. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 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 the other the other thing, Valerie, is you're you're hiring four people as mm-hmm. well. So yes. they have they have some dollars to spend in their community as well. Exactly. So yes, that's it's true. It's not just it's not just the impact of what th- that staff is can do with the children. It's mm-hmm. also an impact to to the community that um that that money does go into the community and and gets dispersed there too because those people have jobs as well. Absolutely, um, yes. The other really important thing that that I heard you say was that the goal is for it to be self-sustaining. Yes. Um, I I think that that's you know that's a really important thing, and I think it's really important in the way that your charity works in the community as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know it's it's going to take it's going to take a few years for this to happen already. But I mean, already we have started getting some, you know, parents that have a little bit of money and that are sort of perking up a little bit and sending their kids. Because when I went there the first time, there was less than 200 students. Now there's 250. You know, so yeah. people are bringing their kids in. They are signing up. But we try to provide as many bursaries as possible for kids that don't have any money. Right. Um, but we always, you know, we always want the families to contribute a little bit because it does. It really doesn't mean anything to people if white people just give everything. You know, they they have to put in a little bit too, and then they they feel mm-hmm. better about themselves too that they're also contributing. Right, right. Um, so you've had a a, a group here before. Um, yes. What are some of the challenges of bringing a troupe of, of performers from Uganda to Canada? Um, and what does that group, you know, what have they gained? What did you see happen when the kids were in Canada last time? Well, starting with what it takes to get them here, <clears throat> as as I've uh, alluded to, most of them were born in, like, little mud huts, so they don't have birth certificates. So the very first step was to uh, give, we sent some money over so they could get on the bus and go to their home community and get either a parent or a relative to sign a document to say, yes, this child was born here, yeah, that looks right about the right date. So once we had that document, then we were able to send away for the birth certificates. And most people in developing nations do not have birth certificates. That's something that a lot of North Americans don't realize, and we take it for granted. Uh, But there, they just don't have birth certificates because, you know, they're born in a hut somewhere. They're not born in hospitals. There's no record-keeping. 
Uh, once we got that, we got their birth certificates and we were able to get their passports. And then the next step is we have to go to the High Commission, the Canadian High Commission, which is located in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, so we usually have to fly somebody there because uh, it's, it's about 15 hours by bus otherwise. Um, and then we had to send that same person back a few times to before the High Commission decided to give us all the visas. Um, and the High Commissions are not always all that cooperative. Um, they often, that's what we're going through right now, they often delay for no reason or they suddenly, suddenly decide, oh, we need another document. Um, mm-hmm. At one point they said, well, we want you to bring all the parents into a courthouse to sign an affidavit saying they will allow the children to go. <clears throat> so we were able to do that. And then they said, well, now we want IDs of the parents. Well, these are people who live in, you know, they live in mud huts. They don't have IDs. Um, So somehow they, our person on the ground over there managed to get that for them. Um, And then they just sit on all this this stuff. And, you know, they know, they've they've got the information. They know when the kids are coming, and they just sit on it. There's no reason for it. It's just about, you know, I don't know. It's the Canadian High Commission. What can I say? <laughs> I think they do it just because they can. It's about causing stress back here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen Woodworth, our MPP here in Kitchener, um, his, his assistant, Michelle, who's been absolutely fabulous. I love Stephen Woodworth. He has such a wonderful support. But she even told us, she says, you know, that these high commissions, they can do whatever they want. They can create any kind of rule that they want, and nobody can challenge them. You know, which is a little disturbing. Uh, but anyway, so we did get all the, we got most of the visas. We have 13 of the 15 we'd applied for. Uh-huh. And um, so the kids are coming tomorrow, and we actually bu- booked the tickets yesterday. That's wow. how close we're cutting. Yes. Holy smokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, holy smokes indeed. Yeah, this is why I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, wow. it was crazy. So the only one they haven't approved is the uh, teacher, Sam. Um, and just sitting on that for some reason, we don't know why. Huh. But you know, but the kids can actually perform without him. Yeah, but hopefully, we'll be able to get him here in the next couple of days. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's it's extremely stressful when you know when people see these kids perform here, they'll have no idea what everybody went through to get them here. And right. then for the kids themselves, imagine—I mean, two of them are, are returning. Two of them have been here before, Mukai and Mubarak. Um, yeah. So they're kind of going to be the leaders because they were here in 2013. But the others, the most travel they'd ever done is maybe on a bus to their home village and now they're going to be you know getting on a plane in Entebbe and flying via Istanbul to Toronto I can't imagine how excited and terrified they must be yeah what what a what an experience Um, oh absolutely but when they went back the last time uh, yeah, there were some very they were they were truly changed children they the other kids at the school looked at them for leadership um, the other kids looked at them and thought, wow, anything really is possible. These kids just were in Canada. So um, so it's oh. it's very uplifting for everybody. Uh, but I really love the leadership part that, you know, these kids were now looked to as being leaders in their in their own community and within, within the school. Um, so that, that, okay. that, that certainly changed their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I I'd never thought about the impact of the other. I was thinking, what a you know what an amazing thing for the group that that came to Canada. I was not thinking that it would impact mm-hmm. the community so much by by seeing that they could do that. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And the one girl, Muhai, uh, she's graduated from the school now, but uh, we we hired her on as uh, the te- that's the music teacher's assistant. She's a very shy girl, and she really wasn't thrilled about being uh, thrust into the limelight. But uh, when she went back, you know, all of a sudden, all the kids are are hanging around her and asking her questions and looking to her for leadership. So she's developed some amazing leadership skills. So she's she's really had a change of personality since uh, she was here in 2013. Yeah, so So you're developing leaders amongst these children. You're not just, it's not just that they're getting this opportunity themselves, but they're becoming leaders when they go back to the school. Well, and their community. It's it's not just the school community. That's right. It's their whole community. Right, Um, yes, exactly. So, we uh we need to talk about where the students are going to be performing like what's going to happen kicking mm-hmm. off tomorrow what's going to happen in the next how how long are they here uh they'll be here till november the 8th and their very first performance is with the KW Symphony if you can imagine all these kids coming from this Ugandan school who've never even been on a plane are going to on Saturday afternoon find themselves on the stage at Center in the Square performing with the symphony. Oh, and that was that yeah, that was another one of those wow weird moments cuz because the symphony is part of my beat uh, as a reporter I okay. I approached them and I said we have these kids coming do you think you know you could do anything with them and it turned out they had a Saturday uh, matinee specifically called World Music. And they didn't no have way. anybody booked. Yeah, and they didn't have anybody booked for it. So this kind of fell into their lap. So they were all over this. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be their first performance. Um, they're going to be going into a lot of high schools while they're here, and a couple of elementary schools. Um, and then on the 17th of October, they're going to be. Do my daughter uh, Stephanie Munger? Uh, she's a fitness instructor and she does Zumba. She's uh, going to be doing a Zumbathon, and that's going to be at Bluevale Collegiate. Uh, the cool thing about this is our kids are actually going to be there, so everybody they're supporting them will be able to, able to uh, dance with them. Yeah. And then um, they're going to be at uh, they're going to be doing a more of a, a drama performance at the Registry Theater, which is downtown Kitchener, on the twenty twentieth and twenty first. Um, they're going to be going to Toronto for a day, and they're going to be spending some time with the National Ballet students, which is oh going to be my. kind of fun. Yeah, oh, so the kids yeah. Just... <laughs> they'll, they'll yeah. be trying to they'll be trying to do the ballet moves and the ballet students yep. will be trying to do their moves. Yeah, they're going to learn how to shake their booty Ugandan style. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um and then on the November Monday November the 1st will be the screening of the film at the Dunfield Theater. And then their final performance will be on November the 8th, sorry, the 5th. And that's at the Boathouse, which is in Victoria Park in Kitchener. Uh, they're going to be performing with Alicia, Alicia Brilla, the jazz singer. And okay. uh, Alicia's father came from Tanzania, so a lot of her music is inspired by, by African rhythms. Um, and she is a Juno-nominated uh, singer. She's really quite remarkable, so that's going to be an amazing performance. And then they go home on the 6th of November, which is a Friday. And then we all take a really long nap. <laughs> So you've you've really um, you've really set things up to expose them to a whole lot of different culture regarding. Oh, absolutely, music. absolutely, like, and they're going to be the staying jazz, with ballet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you name it, I covered it all. Yeah, and film, yeah. And, and, and film, yeah, including fine arts. Yeah, 
And then the uh, Waterloo Region Museum is giving us their facility on the 18th, which is a Sunday, and we're going to have, uh, they're going to be performing there, and it's going to be just pay what you can. It's going to be a little bit more relaxed, casual. But all this information is available on our website, dreamforuganda.com, and uh, people can go on there and see where they can get tickets for all these, these events. And, of course, they can contact me at vhill296 at bell.net. And I would be happy to answer anybody's questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you are, um, you continue to look for um, financial donations. You'd be looking for people to do some work on the ground as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, the three things that we really need are, you know, some some um, financial contributions right now to help support this tour. Uh, Ev is actually paying for their flight for their tickets. If you can imagine what it's going to cost, seventeen hundred dollars yeah. a shot, and we have fourteen people coming. Uh, but we have to. She's she's using one of these credit cards that we have to pay back. So we need we need some money for that. Um, we need money just to support their tour while they're here. And uh, and then that we you know whatever money they make here once ever the expenses are covered it goes back to the school to support the school. Uh, Ev is also setting up bursary programs to cover tuitions of some any kid coming to the school. So yeah, lots of money is necessary, but uh, you know every cent goes to the to Subi and to the school. Uh, none of us use money when we fly to Uganda. We use our own money. Um, we use our own money for a lot of things. We don't use any of uh, the fun, funds raised for for our own benefit. Well, and I think I think it's important for people to realize the impact that their gift can have as well. Oh, huge impact! Huge impact! You know, Absolutely. Um, you know, when I you know throw around you know two hundred dollars, what will it do in Canada? Well, not very much. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you but know, there it makes a big difference. Or yeah, yeah. A thousand dollars in Canada. What will it do? Well, a little bit. You know, there's yeah, there's lots of yeah. there, you know there's 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 lots of good projects here too. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, if a thousand dollars donated to uh, Dream for Uganda will have a, a huge impact, as you say, right. the dollars go directly to the projects. Right. Yeah. And I know a lot of you know I've had people here say, well, there's you know so much need here in Canada. I should be giving to my own local community. And while I agree with that. My argument is that uh, any of the local needs, uh, there's a lot of people who are supporting it. This project in Uganda, there's nobody. It's just us. If we don't support it, nobody will. Mhm. Mhm. Well, yeah, and you know, there's there's certainly arguments for all of it, but when you see the energy and the um, the way that you know the way you describe the kids and their desire to learn, and just the fact that they that they've been raised in poverty, but mm-hmm. they still learn to dance and sing, and they're you know they're happy and they're affectionate and um, all all of that with with you know the life that they've been given. I think that that's I think there's a there's a whole lot of lessons here. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. When I see anybody standing in line at McDonald's complaining that the service, I just want to smack them. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is first world problems. This is not a problem. This is just you, you know. Yeah. I mean, you should see how the rest of the world lives and, and understand that when people are, are raised in pro- poverty and live in poverty and have very little hope, that they still find joy in life. Yeah. And if that isn't a lesson to us, I don't know what is. Yeah. So what do you hope that the film is going to accomplish, Valerie? 
Well, the film is definitely going to be something of an ambassador for us. It's going to, you know, show the kids in the school and tell the story, and uh, we're going to be able to use this everywhere we go. We have actually an interest in the University of Vermont has expressed interest, uh, so we're, they've invited us to come down in November with the film and, and well, talk to the student body there. Yeah, yeah. So, so even the kids aren't here, we can still take the film and we can show it mm-hmm. to people and say, this is what you're supporting. Um, well, yeah, and we're also going to be entering it into the various film festivals. You know, there's one in the states, there's a few, and there's a couple in Africa and Europe. Um, wow. So we're just we just Excellent. want to get the word out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And tickets to the Grand River Film Festival. Um, that yeah, be... they can be just just on, they can just go on the Grand River Film Festival website, and uh, but yeah. you know all the links are available through the Dream for Uganda website as well. Yeah, yeah. and that would be grff.ca. Right. Uh, yes. Would would be the Grand River Film Festival um, yes. uh website. Right. Um, yeah. So um is there any uh last message you would like to leave with our listeners? Um you know, one last message or one last um way that people can help? Um well, right now, the way people can help, of course, donating money, that's the obvious one. But come out and see the kids. Come and support them. Come and talk to them and, and just see what amazing young people they are. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just not this group that's amazing. There's a whole country over there full of amazing kids. And uh, I guess my message is that you really can make a difference. One person can make a huge difference. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even and I think, I'm, you know, me and, and Ev and, and Catherine are all classic examples of that. Catherine, uh, Catherine uh, she became so enamored with this project. We were just there in October. She went again in May and went again in September. So she's been <laughs> she there already three away. times. <laughs> yeah, she's been there three times yeah. in less than a year. You know, yeah. she's just so excited by it. She's a retired teacher, so she's found a, a whole new way to express her, her need yeah, to, uh, to, you know, to teach. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just running out of time. Valerie, thanks for being with us today to share your dream for Uganda. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And we hope that we'll see our local listeners at some of the events that Valerie's described that are taking place while the Ugandan students are here visiting in Ontario. Um, especially we hope that you'll order tickets for the opening night of the Grand River Film Festival and the world premiere of Subi Dance Drum Dream. Um, that will be your opportunity to understand the work through the documentary and also to uh, see the kids perform. Uh, so this is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Till next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.